to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host joining me via satellite, Justin Baker. How's it going, Justin? It's going pretty good, Mark. How about yourself? Oh, it's going great. Loving this playoffs. I, I'll tell you what. Uh, I think there's been a lot of... Uh, because some of the series have ended early, I think there's been this idea that the playoffs, ha- the first round hasn't been as good this year as it maybe was in years past where we saw some closer series and you know, you, we had five series at three to one. I, I, I don't know the last time that happened. Uh, I, I wow. don't really know how to find that out. Well, I mean, I guess I do, I guess you'd have to go back and look at all the series and what their games were. And, but I, I mean, I can't think of the last time that that many series were at three to one. And surprisingly three of those series kept or four of those series just kept on going so or yeah. uh three three right three, three series yeah because because washington was it was, that was a 2-2 series so so three right. out of the five winning the way team winning and, and going on that was that was pretty exciting i i'll be honest that uh colorado nashville one was probably the most like oh really you guys won <laughs> in nashville it was impressive i mean nashville has not lost much at home yeah, the Hamburglar uh, stepped it up a little bit. Did you see the clip of uh, Nathan McKinnon right after the game? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, so the audio got caught. Uh, uh-huh. It was on, you know, whatever, whatever random NBC, Golf Channel, USA Network, whatever, which one it was that they showed the game on. And <laughs> McKinnon is like kind of giving him, give him a little bit of a hug. And you just hear him <laughs> say, effing Hamburglar. <laughs> Uh, it was it was perfect because that that's what it is like that guy just is like a folklore like he steps into that game and just wins he had a shutout going for a long time too and yeah he was he was great yeah i mean i i gotta think as mckinnon you're just like are you kidding me this guy (laughs) he's not good but he randomly is incredible his his ceiling is a is apparently endless, but his basement. I w- we're still trying to figure out how deep it goes. <laughs> That's. A, <laughs> I kid. I I, I like him. He's a good backup goalie, and obviously, obviously he's. Uh, I mean, he's capable of coming in in high pressure situations and not really caring, and he's uh, he dominates. So yeah. Um, well, what we want to do on the show, uh, I know during the week, uh, there's been a lot more focus on the actual specific games, uh, but now that some series are over, there's three that are, are done. Uh, Winnipeg beat the Wild 4-1, to and then Vegas obviously sweeping the Las Vegas, or <laughs> the LA Kings, Las Vegas. and then Anaheim getting swept by the San Jose Sharks, so... I think that what we'll do on today's show is really take a look at those three series since they're completed and especially focus on the team that lost because I think that's where we can have a lot of fun and kind of figure out like what's what was wrong because those teams didn't lose in seven games where you're going to go and you're going to look and go, you know, some, at least one of these series, I got to think, is going to go to seven games now. And you're going to at least be able to go, well, I mean, like the Leafs in Boston. If if the Leafs lose in seven games, it, I mean seven or six, it doesn't really matter. Or if they win, either way, you're going to look at them and you're going to go. It's pretty clear that 
you need a defenseman. We all mm-hmm. we all know they need a defenseman, uh, but you're not going to go. Wow, this is this is stunning. I can't believe the Leafs lost to the Bruins in a seven game series. And and even if the Leafs come back, it's not going to be stunning that they beat the Bruins in a seven game series. So I think that when you look at those ones, it's like uh, Capitals, Columbus. I mean, we, whoever wins, great. I mean, both teams are deserving of winning, and and, and it's fair enough. But. These other teams that get swept and lose in five, I think there was some clear uh, downsides to those teams. What can they do to win more than one game in the playoffs and and be able to win around? You know, Minnesota hasn't been able to win around in a while, uh, and and Anaheim, of course, they they were in the conference finals last year, but uh, it looks like their their run may be coming to a halt here. Uh, but Let's start with, uh, you wanted to start with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Los Angeles Kings, so let's do just that. I want to get your take just on the series as a whole, where the Kings scored three goals? Yep. <laughs> three goals. <laughs> How many goals did Chicago have in their their, their series when they got swept by the Preds? Oh, they have four goals? Have, yeah, I think four, it was just that. So that's the record then, right? I haven't seen a whole lot out about it, but I mean, that's gotta be the record. I honestly don't know. I want to look that one up. Well, why don't you give me your take on, uh, on that series? Well, personally, I, it was pretty plain and simple that LA just couldn't handle the speed and the fact that Las Vegas could roll four lines. And, and on top of that, I mean, Nate Schmidt looks like, a stud defenseman right now. I mean, I don't know if it was Los Angeles playing that poorly or, uh, you know, he was just playing that great, but he just, he looked like a number one defenseman in that series. And, and then let's not forget Mark Andre Fleury as well. I mean, we all knew he could go in there and probably steal a game, maybe even two, but man, he was, he was lights out. And I mean, you know, it, it, I love those series when you have a great goaltending duel at both ends, when you had Jonathan quick, who was obviously their best player for, for LA and the Mark Andre Fleury, both of them just playing phenomenal hockey, and it's it's kind of sad when you have to say, oh, we don't get to see either one of these goaltenders, or we don't get to see both these goaltenders go to the next round. So, I mean, outside of the goaltending thing, the biggest issue for LA was obviously uh, not being able to compete four lines up and down, not being able to score. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> Three goals in four games is not going to cut it. Also, the the seven goals that Vegas scored in those four games was the least amount scored by a winning team in a sweep. It's wow. also, I, I guess, at the same time, when jo- Jonathan Quick allowed seven goals, uh, it's the least amount of goals allowed in a four-game four series and, and have that goalie lose the series. So, wow. I mean, obviously, yes, the goalies were... And I don't... You you know, you can say, well, Fleury was better. Uh, I, I think that that's probably splitting hairs because quick was equally as awesome. It's just Mm -hmm. his team could not score and it wasn't, it was for a lack of chances. It wasn't even, I flurry didn't make some great saves. Don't get me wrong, but the Kings just didn't seem like they had sustained pressure. You know, in, uh, in some of the other series you watch, you see Pittsburgh, you see Boston, you see these, these teams where they, it's 10 minutes and it feels like they've had the puck the whole time. Mm-hmm. And L.A. is at least, I know that they're, they're building around speed. 
But what happened to these possession monsters that they had? I mean, you, you'd think that, yes, your speed's going to get you into the zone, and then you need to be able to cycle. And I saw no cycle game. No. So Not whatsoever. And, it, I, you know, it, it sucks when you don't have Jake Muzzin in there and then you lose Drew Doughty for a game. But, I mean, overall, it, you, you can see the difference it has when you have – four lines that can go out there and put some speed and pressure on and LA just, you know, if they lock up Carter and Kopitar, LA was pretty much shut down. Yeah. So where does LA go from here? Because there, there's a few things. Uh, Drew Doughty has one year left on his deal. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, that's gotta be in the back of your mind, not just the back of your mind, the forefront, right? Like if he, yeah. if he resigns with LA, uh, which I've got to think that he will. I, I mean, I think they're going to do everything that they need to do to keep him. He's probably going to win the Norris Trophy again this year. All right. I mean, he's at least in the top three. Uh, he's going yep. to get so Kopitar makes 10 to 5, right? So what does Dowdy get? Because it seemingly needs to be more than Kopitar, right? Or or at least the same amount. You're going to, you're looking at the, the Kane Taves kind of deal. Yeah, right now with with Kopitar sitting at ten, the problem is is you know they got Dustin Brown at five eight. Uh, Carter's on a fairly good deal, but he's still got a few years left on that. And then you look at their defense; they got Fanuf's big five plus million dollar contract, Martinez and Muzzin at four piece, which I, I think Muzzin is actually pretty pretty decent deal for what he does. But you know, next year I think what they have four million in cap space, and then uh, the year after they got eighteen. So. So they come out with 18, and they're going to lose a. They're going to have a couple of restricted free agents. Nobody, no big name guys, anyways, that just jump off at you. Is they're going to need huge contracts coming back. So you think a bulk of that money is going to go towards Drew Doughty, and and in my opinion, I think he's he's got to pull in 10 million. Well, any other team in the league will give him 12. And and I think that what what I've heard is that now what agents are starting to do is they're going by cap percentage. So you know what was. When uh, when Anze Kopitar signed his deal, you mm-hmm. look at it and you say, all right, well, what was his cap percentage? What was that taking up? And then as Drew Doughty's agent, you can say, we want the same cap percentage, but the cap has gone up. So he gets an extra, you know, it, it's going to be an extra 700000 or something like that. So nothing you sure. can't live with, but I think he's going to get more. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's that's going to put the Kings in a in a real spot. I mean, we, yeah, and especially when you know you're you just got shown that you have no you know third and fourth line scoring depth there, and you're trying to figure out how to bring in guys or how to develop guys. Because I'll be honest, the, the Kings have a, a decent prospect pool, but not a very good one where you know you have some real big scoring threats coming in where you're like, okay, we'll be okay in a couple of years. Right, right. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think that they'll certainly look to the free agent market. Uh, you know who, if if he doesn't re-sign with San Jose, would Evander Kane not look good in an L.A. uniform? And, oh, absolutely. And the lifestyle, I think, would probably fit the way that uh, that it appears that maybe he would want to be able to live. Uh, I, I could see Evander Kane going to the Kings, and uh, really, I mean, you, you'd give, you'd have so many options to play him either with uh, Kopitar or Carter or Toffoli, and you be you can move Vander Kane 
up and down the lineup, and that mm-hmm. that's what's nice about him. He's I mean he's he's not going to kill penalties for you. He's going to score goals, and so if you can put him into a position where he can use his speed and his size, I think that he he would fit that team great with what they're looking to do. And he's only twenty six years old. He'll be he'll be twenty. Well, he'll be almost twenty seven when by the time he signs a deal. But right now, I mean, he's only twenty six. Yeah, he'll be twenty seven on August the second. So, okay, yeah. So let me ask you this scenario then. Say, for instance, you know, L.A. doesn't seem too positive that Dowdy's going to resign. Do you think maybe this summer they they try to move him? Oh, ah, man, especially with Eric Carlson on the you know, we don't. Yeah. Know. It's it seems like he'll be moved. My guess is that that's going to lower both their value because, really? I mean, you think about it, how often is one superstar defenseman available for trade? Hardly right. ever. We, we haven't really seen it since Shea Weber was dealt, which he was dealt for another superstar defenseman in P.K. Subban. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you're talking, hey, let's trade Drew Doughty to Ottawa for Eric Carlson. I mean, uh, yeah, that, I mean, it, it could potentially work. Uh, that that to me is the only trade where you're going to get equal value for either one of these guys. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know if if Carlson is is dealt. Sure, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna go and you're gonna go. Okay, well, here's what Carlson was dealt for. So now Dowdy should realistically get a pretty similar package. Mm-hmm. But could it also people start maybe because there's two of them now it's there's not the same kind of demand I, I don't know maybe, maybe that's maybe that's not not totally correct but it, it seems like if both of them are available you're gonna get some teams who are more willing to pay for one guy more willing to pay for the other and it's it may bring down the one one of their value at least because someone's gonna going to go, oh, well, we missed out on Carlson. We'll get Dowdy, but we're not going to give up the same amount or vice versa. I, I don't know. Yeah, so my thought process on that would be kind of almost the opposite. I think that both their value will pretty much be, you know, what it would be if there was only one of them going out. If, say, for instance, they both, you know, are, um, you know, if LA makes it known that they're looking to move him. Um, but say, you know, for instance, Carlson gets dealt first, right, and he gets – Gets us pretty a pretty good package, right? I think because now teams are scrambling to say, "Oh, we got to go out there and get this guy." I, I think maybe even Drew Doughty's value goes up a little bit just because, you know, like you said, how often do superstar defensemen go on the market? That's true. Yes, that could that definitely could also happen. <laughs> uh, I can, yeah, I can see where where that that situation can happen too. Uh, L.A. also they do have, I mean, they have. All their draft picks, they have an extra sixth round pick and don't have a seventh, but uh, they have seven picks this year in their first. And so uh, obviously using that could maybe bring in something if, you know, if you're open to to dealing your first round pick as well. Uh, but yeah, LA is an interesting team. I, I think that they, they're changing their whole style and identity. It takes mm-hmm. longer than a year, right? Like we, I didn't even expect the Kings to be in the playoffs. And so I, I think yeah. that this, the playoffs were gravy. And yeah, they didn't perform that well in the playoffs, but it's okay. They keep going down the, the the course that you've you've set. Don't just stop because you got swept in the first round. It doesn't matter. 
Like you didn't think no. you were going to win the cup. So anything, or, you know, maybe they thought, okay, I think we can definitely make the playoffs and we'll see what happens from there. Sure. But I mean, it just, they're, they're not mature as the type of team that they want to be. They still have a, a few pieces, I think that are left over from the old guard. So uh, I think that that you just need to continue changing as your uh, contracts expire. So they also do have like Tory Mitchell's contracts up. Uh, not a, not a whole lot of contracts are are done. Tobias Reader will have to get re-signed, but they've got a lot of guys locked up for a while, and that may be a problem. But <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, you know, when like you said, they're they're in the middle of changing styles right now, and you know maybe it might take another year before they really get back into contention. But the problem is, is most of their core guys, Dowdy, Fanuf, Kopitar, Brown, Carter, they're all you know thirty and older. Uh, you know, with Dowdy being, you know, he's turning 29 soon, but you know, most of these guys are, are pushing the wrong side of 25 and uh, yeah. How long do, uh, do they remain relevant? Definitely remains to be seen, but I, I right. think that the Kings still have a couple years left of, of relevancy with their current core. Uh, but let's, let's let that take us to the Anaheim ducks and their current core getting swept by the San Jose sharks, which, uh, definitely unexpected in the, the sense that, I mean, the Ducks were the, the higher seed, and certainly they've played the Sharks fine during the regular season. I don't, there was no reason to expect that the Sharks would just absolutely truck the Ducks, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, truck's the, uh, truck's the right word for that truck, one. Yes. I, mean, <laughs> the, I, I did not see this coming, uh, if there's any series that i thought you know probably would go seven games i probably would have picked this one maybe maybe this one or the boston toronto series and uh this one kind of took me by storm and martin jones you know was was the star of the show he was fantastic and uh yeah he 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 kind of wasn't as good as mark andre fleury he allowed four goals in four games instead of three oh no (laughs) so he's struggling big time Yeah, and you know what? I'll, I'll tell you what. Watching, uh, you know, Evander Kane, even though he didn't put up a ton of points, I mean, still four and four is is pretty dang good. But you could tell he he made a difference in that series. You know, that top line just had a different feel about them going out there. Yes, and don't forget, they did all this without Joe Thornton. Yeah, okay. exactly. Now, so what's the, here's the bigger question for you is, you know, they, they got younger role guys like Sorensen and Hurdle and Meyer or, that are that are playing much better hockey lately. And, you know, say Joe Thornton's ready to go in the second round. Do you plug him in as good as your guys have been playing? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, okay. I don't think there's there's <laughs> never a time when a guy like Thornton, you're going to go, I know you're feeling better, but I mean, Timo Meyer, though. <laughs> it's no no offense to him but it's joe thornton now i think uh let's let's take the leafs for example uh that placanics marner marlowe line that were mm-hmm. put together after game two so they they started playing together in game three and uh i mean that line was basically put together to go, well, shoot, we need something because Kadri isn't here. And last, last games didn't, didn't work. That was game two was where the Leafs got absolutely demolished, lost seven to three. And mm-hmm. that Bergeron line was just running all over. And of course, uh, 
Pasternak had his six points. So they needed to try something different. So they they said, well, hey, maybe this line can be our shutdown line because Plekanec has done in the past. And it worked. And I, I know that they, they won game three, lost game four, and ended up winning game five. But I think that when now then when Kadri comes back, where that would normally be Kadri's spot, you, you don't put him in that spot anymore because it's working what you were able to do. So you go, well, Kadri, you're going to, you know, you're coming back in and this is where we're going to put you because right now this is working and you're going to play basically on the fourth line. He's, he, the Leafs' fourth line in that game was Kadri, Nylander, and Janssen. Kadri had 32 goals, Ooh. Nylander had 22. And uh, and Janssen, if Janssen had played the whole year, he would have had 20 goals. So, I mean, basically you're looking at a, a fourth line that has a potential to score 60, 60 goals in a season. Jeez. So, but I, I think that that's what happens with Thornton. I think that you go, hey, I mean, these guys are playing really well together. These guys are playing really well together. Uh, we're going to bring you back in. And, of course, you're going to get ice time, but we're not going to play you 18, 19 minutes. I mean, you're going to get... Sedine minutes for now <laughs> till we ease yeah. you back in, you know, 14, 15 minutes and that's fine. I, yeah, I th- and I've, I'm totally okay with you, you know, taking Joe Thornton and you plug him in on that third line, you know, with maybe, you know, Timo Meyer and, and Kevin LeBanc, but you know, now you can, you can roll him in a little bit slower and then not only that, but then you can say, okay, but we'll give you power play time. So there's your minutes right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, of course he's going to, he's going to come back and, and of course be the guy in that power play. And so, I think that he's just the kind of guy that it doesn't really matter. You bring him back. Now, I do remember 2002 Leafs Hurricanes playing in the conference finals, and everyone was hurt for the Leafs. It was like Gary Roberts and <laughs> a bunch of AHL players, and everyone came back at once in game two or three. Sundin, McGillney, and uh, uh, several players all returned from injury, and I think the Leafs lost all the rest of their games. Oh, so. Geez. It was uh, it was clearly a bad thing that they all came back. They were firing on all cylinders with these guys that I don't know. I I, I don't really know what happened there, but uh, I remember that was a moment where I was like, man, should you have brought these guys back? But as but the same result may have happened. You know, they may have lost all those games anyways. And if you lost those games without playing those players, you'd be an mm-hmm. idiot. You'd be Correct. ridiculed. It'd be stupid. So yeah, you definitely have to have to play him. So, uh, any thoughts on where the Ducks go from here? Yeah, um, you know, clearly it's uh, it, it was showing that you know Getzlaff, Perry, and Kessler, those guys are are slowing down a bit. They're uh, they're not the same guys they used to be. And I think you know Corey Perry, he, to me, he stood out more than than the other two guys because I kind of gave. Kessler a little pass, you know, knowing his injury history this season, I, I figured he wasn't hundred percent. He wasn't playing at top, you know, ability here. So yes, I think uh, I gets, saw that he was held together by string and bandage. Right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, gets left. You know what? He, he still got some quality, quality years left in him. I know he's, he's a little bit slower. And I think with a guy like that, now maybe you have to put him with, you know, some speedier wingers, guys who can open up some space for him to go down uh, and do his thing. But the, the bigger headache and, you know, eyesore was Corey Perry because this guy, he was not looking very good in that series. Very, very slow. And it showed. And I, if you're Anaheim, you it's, it's going to be, I mean, massively difficult to, to try to find somebody if you're thinking about 
moving him at some point to eat that 8.6 million. Of course, you'll have to probably eat some of that. But you know, where what do you do with a guy like that at this point? Is I, he the most I really don't know. overpaid, overvalued, like worst value in the entire NHL? Is there any player with a worse worse contract than Corey Perry? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I think. I think at the time when he when he signed his deal, it was one of those things where Getzlaff and Perry were playing pretty good together, and maybe they were they they played that that Jonathan Taze Patrick Kane card when they were like, listen, we we both want the same deal, give it to us, and then boom. And so they roughly got around the same money. Corey Perry got a couple more dollars because he was scoring the goals. But right, right. I mean, it's, which is I don't so know. interesting that. The winger is making more than the center. I feel like that's just a. Right. I don't. I don't know what what's up with that. I mean, okay. So when you look at Anaheim, here's the here's the nice thing is that I think Anaheim needs they need to get faster, uh, but mm-hmm. they they do have. I mean, Cam Fowler and Hampus Lindholm are two fantastic defensemen, along with Montour and Manson. And, I mean, these Manson signed to a to a nice extension. So I mean, everything's. Good in terms of contracts. Uh, they do need to re-sign Montour. He's an RFA. But uh, Boschman, Bieksa, they're two slowest defensemen. They're both coming off the books. So yep. that's $5 million total in cap space. Along with Antoine Vermette, Chris Kelly, JT Brown, and Jason Chimera. And there's another five and almost $5.5 million in cap space. So there's $10 million in cap space. And then, I mean... Adam Henrique is a has one year left on his deal, along with Jakob Silverberg, and so you're going to have to really decide what kind of team you want to be. I think they they should lock Silverberg up. I think he's uh, one of the best defensive wingers in the league, uh, along mm-hmm. with that shot. And so I think that he would stay. But I think you could probably get some good value for Henrique if you uh, if you needed to maybe retool a little bit. But sure. and then of course you've got Ricard Raquel. It's just those Kessler, Getzlaff, Perry. Uh, maybe the best thing for them is that they lost and they don't have to go on another long, brew like brute type of run because of the way that they play. Yeah, and I will say for for Anaheim, they're they're pretty fortunate. They got a couple couple pretty good offensive prospects and in, in juniors right now, and Sam Steele and Max Jones. And I think, like you said, with all those contracts coming off the books. It opens up the door for for these two young, you know, potential top six players here to to come in and really fill some, you know, maybe third line roles here, just ease them in a little bit. But uh, well, you'd yeah, love think, you'd love to see those guys come in and play with Getzlaff. Oh, absolutely. Or or you know, you just never know. You never know what bringing a a younger guy, a different type of player, can do to revitalize someone's career. Uh, I, I think that Corey Perry, well, he looks like he's slowing down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's done. You know, I, sure. I, I think that if, you know, if he can maybe kind of find his, maybe change his game a little bit is what he's going to have to do. But does he, I mean, he still has great hands. He has an amazing shot. And so, and, and he's very good down low. It's just the speed game that's hurting him. Maybe he needs to lose, you know, 10 pounds and, and, and make himself a little bit lighter. I don't. I don't know, but uh, I think that you surround them with some younger guys, like you were saying, like a Max Jones and a Sam Steele, guys that can come in and play on the wing. Uh, even though Sam Steele is a center, I mean, he can come in, play on Getzlaff's wing for a little bit, and if mm-hmm. it works, 
you know, he gets to train essentially under Getzlaff and then move into a center position later on down the road. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, the great thing is too, you know, like you said, they still got great goaltending. Their defense is pretty dang good uh, for what you have. And they still have also, I mean, a couple good defensive prospects in the minors as well. But, you know, with, with these contracts coming off the book too, from, I mean, granted they're, they're smaller dollar amounts, but you open up a little bit of money where you can potentially, uh, you know, go out and maybe sign a free agent or two, bring in some, some guys. And, and, and look, you know, we, we saw with a couple examples, like, you know, Thomas Vanek over the last couple of years, you know, especially when he was in Detroit, you saw when you put him with speedier guys like Larkin and Helm, what it did for his career there. And then, you know, of course now in Columbus, he's playing with some younger, faster guys and it, it just, I mean, it, it worked for him. And, uh, you know, same goes with Zdeno Chara. When you put him with a young Charlie McAvoy, who's just a speedy defenseman, and now you kind of revitalize yourself a little bit. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Evander Kane, once again, he could, you know, if he likes it in California, and Anaheim would be another destination that he could possibly end up in. Uh, one one guy who I think would fit really nice with the Ducks is Mike Green. Ooh. I, I think that... When you look at their defense and you go, okay, I'm like let's let's take out Kevin Bieksa on their defense and put in Mike Green. And how does that change their team? I mean, there's all of a sudden a, a, a speedy puck-moving defenseman who can quarterback your second power play because you already have Lynn Holm and Fowler anyways. Or he can you know, mm-hmm. or, or maybe you spread that wealth out a little bit. But I, I think that suddenly you're looking at a much different team. And that, that to me is where the Ducks – maybe you need to focus on is that those two guys, Bieksa, Boschman, those two guys are, are hurting them. So I think yeah. if you can replace them with somebody that can move the puck, it can really change your fortunes. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the Ducks power play in the regular season was 23rd in the league, 17.8%. So a guy like Mike Green, can he come in and, and improve that percentage by a point or two? I, I, I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility. So no, like he, not at all. he's my, uh, my little my pick to go out there, although he's mostly played in the East, so he'll probably yeah, stay I, uh, out there. I worry about that a little bit only because I look at the Ducks and their cap situation. They got nine mil in cap space next season, and they got to re-sign Montour, so he's going to get a bit of a raise. And then you look at the year after that when Jonathan Gibson, he's a restricted free agent, and he's going to get paid. So Yeah, the only problem with Gibson is he's always hurt. Uh, always yeah, hurt. <laughs> And man, how do you can you justify putting all that money into a guy who can only play forty games a year, fifty games a year? Yeah, but the, we, I mean, we've seen it with the the lack of quality number one goaltenders out there, and so your your hands are sort of tied at this point because you look at what Carolina did with you know uh, Scott Darling, thinking they had one and it blew up in their face, and when you know you have one here, you know you you, you got to pay for it. Tis true. Tis true. Okay, uh, let's move on to the third and final series that is over. Uh, there is a chance that you're listening to this now. We're recording this at about 3 p.m. on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the Penguins and the Flyers are underway. Uh, but as of right now, three series over. Of course, there could be more by the time you're listening to this, but uh, that's bes- besides the point. Pittsburgh up 2-1, to one actually, in that game right now. So, Well, let's not forget either that uh, Tampa Bay closed it out last night against Oh, New yes, Jersey. yes, you are very right. Uh, we'll, we'll hit on that series as well. Uh, the Jets and the Wild. Uh, the Jets, 
I, I mean, is this series just the most simple answer in saying, well, yeah, Ryan Suter got hurt. Zach Parise got hurt. Zach Parise was playing the best hockey he's been playing since maybe three or four years. So maybe since he got to the wild almost. And yeah. he goes and he breaks his collarbone and, and Ryan Suter's out. It's just kind of a bad luck year for the wild. Yeah. My biggest question is going in the off season for the wild is, you know, with Bruce Boudreaux, if your management upstairs ownership, you know, are you, are you finally saying we're sick of losing in the playoffs? I mean, granted the regular season success is great, but you know, how many times can you get, you know, muster, you know, maybe one, one series, I think they've won since he's come there. Um, it just, it hasn't, it hasn't looked good for them. And you know, I what was it? I read the other day too that their their core group of like Miku Koivu, Zach Parise, they're just they're not scoring playoff goals. I think. Well, but, Zach Parise uh, was, but he's uh, you're right. right. He he had a really hard time scoring with a broken collarbone. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Koivu in the last uh, five years, five playoffs, five playoff years, has scored a total of five goals. Uh, Jason Sucker, for instance, he's only scored three in the last four years. He's been there, and and Jason Sucker is a restricted free agent, so. Yeah, and Charlie Coyle, I think he in the last five playoffs years he's been there, he's only put up what five seven goals, so not a ton of production for guys that you know should be putting up some points for them. Yeah, and uh, Devin Dubnik, he's thirty one right now, and there aren't too many goalies that continue to dominate into their you know that thirty two thirty three. Kind of span. Oh, he'll be thirty-three in in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. So Devin or thirty-two, yeah, thirty-two. So uh, Devin Dubnik. I mean, how many more years does he have of being one of the better top ten goalies in the league? So I mean, that's and I, you know, I don't know. I as far as I know, Minnesota doesn't really have any goaltenders that are just blowing anybody away down in their system. So uh, it's. They're they're so interesting because they have some good pieces. Uh, I think that they could easily move out some guys. I you know, uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to to look at maybe moving one of those uh, lower lower tier guy like, or like mid tier kind of guys. Nino mm-hmm. Niederreiter. I mean, he's he's so good. He's a, he's very yeah. underrated, but he was not so good in that playoff series. I mean. You got to change something. You got to decide who you're going to move. And I mean, Miko Koivu's 35. I mean, he's he is signed to an, uh, two more years after this, and has a no move clause. Parise has got his deal goes until 2056. So he's a wild for life. Uh, but that's uh, yeah. But they do have some good young pieces, and that's the biggest difference. Like a jo- Joel Joel Eriksson Eck. I mean, he mm-hmm. looks fantastic. Uh, Jordan Greenway, and so they they have some good players that are coming up, and some younger guys. But I I just yeah, does Bruce Boudreaux come back? I I don't think so, and I I think you know most people are going to say, oh well, they didn't have Ryan Suter or Zach Parise for most of that series, and I think yeah, regardless of of that factor, they just they got beat too easily, um, and you could just see how much faster the Jets were and how much more depth at scoring they had. Uh, but like isn't you said, that they, the they, general they, they manager's fault? Hmm? Isn't that the general manager's fault? 
If they don't have well, enough depth, well, it's of not course, Bruce Boudreaux's fault. No, and I, I, I won't disagree with you there at all. Um, but I, I think this team just could use a change. And and main reason being why, because, you know, Ryan Suter and Zach Parise, you know, like you said, Zach Parise playing some, he was playing some of the best hockey of his, you know, in, in a long time. And, uh, you know, Ryan Suter can still log up those minutes. And I think while you still have those guys at, at you know, um, a good age and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe a, a couple more years left out of them, I think it's, it's the right time to make a change bring in a different mindset, maybe a diff, different type of system in there while you got, you know, those two guys still what's left of their prime. And, you know, you still got a pretty good defense core in there too with Spurgeon and Matt Dumba. And I think you take advantage of that now while you can. And like you said, Devin Dubnik, how many years does he have left? So I think you gotta, you gotta go all in on the change if you're going to do it now rather than later. Yeah. I, I would think that your best bet at maybe salvaging something and being able to to go and win a couple rounds, maybe have a shot at a cup, is keeping Bruce Boudreaux and saying, mm-hmm. let's try this once more. Because you know what's gonna happen next year, they bring in a new coach, and if you know the system you know, if they're if they're just mediocre, it'll be well, you know, guys need some time to get used to the new system. And then it'll be the right. next year. So I think guys are already adjusted to Boudreaux. It just you know, I, I tend to think too that maybe there's some changes on the assistant coach side, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of time, I mean, a head coach can only be in so many places at once and be thinking about so many things. I mean, that's, that's why certain teams, I mean, you look at the Kings, they hired, they hired Pierre Turgeon as their offensive coordinator. So, I mean, <laughs> you're looking at teams getting very creative to bring more minds into their locker room to be able to help guys think differently about the game. And so maybe it's just a matter of, changing some behind the scenes coaching as opposed to the head coach, uh, because yeah. the system itself actually works pretty well for them. I, I think that they, they've built a team that fits the system. It's just a matter of, of course you need more depth because if you're one defenseman goes down and all of a sudden you're going, Oh crap, one defenseman's down. Now we have to play Spurgeon 32 minutes. That's, that's insane. Why is any of your defensemen being relied on? I don't care. A suitor, okay, fine. He can handle it, but I don't want him playing that many minutes. I still want him playing 24, 25 minutes a game, and that's it. I don't want him playing more than that because you put all those miles on that guy's body, it's going to catch up with him faster. And they're paying him too much for too long to to play him 30 minutes a night. Get someone, Figure out your defense core to be able to supplement him with some other guys. Yeah, I'll, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking a guy who could really, really look good in that system uh, would be be a JVR. I think he would fit in really well I if agree. decided yeah. to keep Boudreaux. Yep, I, I totally agree. Yeah, he would be a, a great net front presence. Um, mm-hmm. Him and Stahl together, oh baby. Yeah, because, I, I mean, more than anything else, I think they need, you know, a little bit more depth on defense and then a, a top six forward to fill out that roster. Okay, yeah. Uh, who couldn't use a top six forward? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's a good point. <laughs> uh, speaking of needing top six forwards, let's go to the Devils and talk about why they got smacked around by the Lightning. Actually, it wasn't, it wasn't quite a smackdown. I, I think that the Devils performed exactly how we thought. I, this series actually went 
exactly what I, I said in an earlier episode. I think when we were giving our predictions, I said this this series seems like to me the one where Tampa Bay gets up two nothing, New huh. Jersey wins game three, and then you know they uh, or they win one at home, and then you go back to Tampa Bay and they they finish them off, and that's yeah that's exactly what happened. Uh, Kucherov had ten points in this series, ten points in five games. Mm-hmm. So he obviously is right back to where he was at the beginning of the year. Uh, he he obviously is not bored now. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about him being bored. So the Devils, I mean, nobody expected them to be here to begin with. Is is there anything that they can look at from this series and go, okay, you know, if we had had maybe this piece, this series might have been a little bit more balanced. Or is it just a matter of the Lightning were way better and the Devils were just happy to be there? Yeah, I think it's exactly that. The Lightning were that much better and the Devils were happy to be there because, uh, you know, they the Devils got a lot of young pieces, uh, guys that still need time to grow. Um, don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, guys like, you know, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac will still be there and they've had their experience, but... Um, you know, it, it, it shows when, you know, during the regular season, you have Taylor Hall, you know, some 40 plus points ahead of the next guy, what kind of depth they're actually missing up front. And when you have, you know, Stamkos and Kucherov guys in the top 10 and scoring there, um, you know, it, it, it clearly shows how much better the lightning are as a team as a whole versus the devils. Yeah. I mean, I think that if you're the devils, you go, oh yeah, let's be that someday. <laughs> right. <laughs> let's, let's be that organization. And they very well could. Um, and you've got your Taylor Hall, your Nico Heischer, and so there's they're they're well on their way. The Pavel Zaka, so uh, yeah, they they should be. I th- I think that the Devils are probably a team that we'll see in the playoffs here for uh, for a few years. I think they're just going to keep getting better. Uh, hopefully, they can find a little bit more on the defensive side. But yeah, and uh, but, like your suggestion earlier, I think. Mike Green would look really good on this team. Ooh, yeah, he would. Yes, he would. A little uh, veteran leadership in the back end with some of those younger guys and a guy who can move the puck. Yeah, yeah, he would. Uh, he would look very good with uh, the the Will Butcher. Will Butcher, yes. Oh, yes. So, uh, yeah. okay. I mean, that series just kind of speaks for itself. What the Devils need to do is just keep being the Devils. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's uh, all the series that are over. Let's just swing our attention quickly to the series that have yet to be completed and just kind of give predictions. Based on this point, uh, let's just run down the series, and I want to hear your prediction. So let's start with Nashville and Colorado. I think Nashville closes this one out. I think their uh, Colorado's luck is, is run out. I think they, they put up a good fight. But it's it's going to be over for them. And when people are listening to this, they'll either go, you dumbass, or, yep, yep, <laughs> nice, nice, you picked right. Uh, yeah? Yes, I am actually, you know what, I'm going to say Colorado actually pushes this one to seven games, and then wow. game seven is somewhat of a, a beatdown by the Predators. Okay. Predators ultimately win it. But I think it's, and- I'm going to say it goes to seven. And I'll tell you what, Predator fans better hope it doesn't because I, I honestly believe if they have to go seven games against the Avalanche, they could be a little exhausted when they have to go in and fish, face the giant men <laughs> for Winnipeg. Yes. Because that's, oh, that's yes, going to be a tough yes. series on them and having to go seven 
and then go play the Jets is going to be real tough. Absolutely. Uh, you know what would be a great conference final matchup would be the Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights simply because they're two of the most recent teams to enter the league, right? They're the most recent team. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, okay. Let's do, we'll save, we'll save the Atlantic division for last since it's closest to my heart. Uh, <laughs> let's say Columbus and Washington where Washington leads three, two, which, which this, this has been the best series in yeah. my opinion. I, I mean, think high four scoring games to overtime. Yes. Yeah, so four games to overtime. They've all been, <laughs> They've all mostly been high scoring, three threes, going in overtime, four four. So it's been exciting, lots of goals. But the goalies have been amazing. Uh, the goal, I mean, even though these goalies are letting up goals, they they look fantastic. They're making tremendous saves. Um, yeah, it makes you wonder uh, if they had started Holpe at the beginning of the series, would it be a little different? Hey, it's three two Washington though, headed back to Columbus. What mm-hmm. what's going to happen in this game six and seven? I say Columbus wins in game six, but ultimately this goes back to game seven for maybe a double overtime game. But ultimately, I Ooh. think Washington will close this one out in seven. I am. I actually think that the Blue Jackets are cooked. I think Washington's okay. going to walk in here, win the four in a row, and uh, and put the little cherry on top. Here in Game Six, so I I kind of I gotta I gotta hope though that it goes to overtime. <laughs> Just five games in OT is pretty unreal. Uh, yes. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Oh, Philly's done. I don't get me wrong. Norbert is a is a great story, but uh, not as good as the Hamburger, obviously. But they just I I just I think their goose is cooked. Okay, it's two two at the end of the first right now. So ooh. Uh, I am, man, this, it's tough because I really, I, I didn't think that Philadelphia would play this well against the Penguins, especially after game one, uh, but they mm-hmm. have really shown some bounce back. They, they've shown an ability to find another level when it, when it needs to happen. So I'm going to say they actually pull this game six out and that oh, wow. they win in Philadelphia and head back to Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh the team with the experience, the team where a game seven doesn't bother them. I think mm-hmm. that ultimately they find their way and win in seven. But I, I do think that Philadelphia will win, and you will know when you're listening to this if I'm dead wrong or not. So, <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's go to the Boston-Toronto series where uh, the Leafs managed to squeeze a win out. And I do mean squeeze a win out because they probably shouldn't have won game five. But yeah, that was ooh. but quite possibly one of the most atrocious referee jobs that I've seen in a little while. It there was it was it was very it was I, I hate to watch a game and go, is something why is something happening? Because there were some calls that should have gone to Boston. I'm I'm okay with calls going against the Leafs, it's fine. It just seemed like man, when you get five power plays in a row, mm-hmm. something weird's happening. Like that just doesn't, right. it, that really, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, there, there actually is a lot of evidence to show that, um, the, once there's three, I think it's three penalties called against the team that you're statistically very likely to get the next power play. And that the more penalties that are stacked on top of that, you're in, you know, super, uh, significantly more likely to, to, uh, get a power play. And so to get five in a row, uh, is it's unlikely 
it's not that, you know, maybe those penalties were penalties, but the Bruins were also doing some things. There was, there was one in particular where it was, uh, I can't even remember who did it. And it was, it was called as a holding, but it was more or less just a, a check to the shoulder from the front reach, Mm kind of reached behind and and hit and the guy fell down and it was just, I, I didn't understand it, but, uh, it seemed like maybe the crowd was playing into it, which is which is fair. I mean, that's hey, it's home ice advantage, and you know your crowd is kind of influencing the refs subconsciously. I don't know. It's it, it it just seemed a little bit weird to me. But anyways, they they won the game. But now going back to Toronto, down three two. According to Austin Matthews, all the pressure is on Boston. I don't know how true that is, but uh, it's nice of him to say. Uh, yeah. What do you think happens in Game Six, and if it goes further than that, Game Seven? Boy, this one, this one would be the, the toughest one to call because, I mean, let's face it, Freddie Anderson stole that one for them yesterday. Yes, yes. Um, you know, can he do it again? I think he is more than capable of. And, you know, my 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 gut tells me that Boston's going to close it out, but my heart wants me to say that Toronto is going to take it in four seven in this one and then in game seven if this game goes back to boston i i think boy i think i would have to take boston at that point okay so basically yeah. you're saying boston boston wins the series but the leafs maybe win win game six yeah as much I, as i hate to say i would say that I, it's going to be tough for the leafs to win in boston again right but yeah it will uh it'll definitely be it should be a pretty crazy game six. Uh, it's man, what a what a division! Holy smokes, the the Lightning are going to have to play prob- probably the Bruins, and then you're going to have mm. to go over to the other side, and you have to play what the Penguins again, most likely. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's just the Western Conference clearly an easier path, and it's interesting because for years that was not the case. For right. years we looked at the West and we went. Holy smokes, you got to get through Detroit. You got to beat Dallas, Anaheim, San Jose, LA, Chicago. It was like everybody was, uh, I guess by the time Chicago was really good, Detroit wasn't there. Oh, no, Detroit was in the East (laughs) in 2012, right? Was the first year after that lockout? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the the West at one point was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Uh, and, And, I mean, yeah, there was, uh, and and I guess at that time Vancouver was very good too. So, yeah, uh, you were uh, you were hard pressed to get out of the West. Whereas the East, it was kind of like, oh, it's wide open. Oh, the East plays a much different game, and it was kind of the East that was uh, that was a little, you know, I guess uh, much easier to make it through, and then the West would just dominate the East for a little while, but. Alas, okay. Uh, anything else you want to touch on before we close out the show? No, I I don't really think there's anything. I think, uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm interested to see how the rest of this Penguins and Flyers series go because I I, w- I would love to talk, you know, considering that, it, that I think the Penguins are going to close this one out. I'd love to talk about I think what Philly needs to do moving forward. So, well, you just teased our next episode. Hey, there you go. Assuming that they lose, <laughs> if they win, we'll be talking about what the Penguins will have to do. So that'll, that'll be that'll be real interesting. Nothing. <laughs> nah, nothing. Just keep it the same. Uh, who is your uh, who's your pick 
for the uh, the uh, Consmite Trophy. <laughs> I'm trying to think, Ooh. like, what is that freaking trophy called? Consmite Trophy early predictions. Oh man, that's that's a good one. I think I think maybe assuming. Boy, I think right now you have to think. You have to think Pasternak is the front runner for that. But Pasternak but had all his points in one game. <laughs> yeah, but that top Two line games. still looks still looks pretty good, um, and I still think they're going to roll. I think Crosby is right up there, and then I think my my dark horse is maybe going to have to be John Carlson, but we'll see. Ooh, ooh that's interesting. Um, yeah. I'm going to go with Mark Andre Fleury because. He won that series for them. He, yes. Well, hey, I'll give you that. And if they made it, make it all the way, he's going to have to be the reason. Uh, I also think that uh, Kucherov, for sure. I mean, this this is the beauty, is that it's going to be, you know, it could potentially be Boston Lightning, and that's going to be some superstars going head-to-head. Yeah. So I think after that, we get a really good idea of, and yeah, like this team is pretty dirty, you know. Whoever comes out of there, uh, but playoffs are just gearing up. We still have lots of first round action left. Uh, you can hit us up at OT Hockey Talk on Twitter. And uh, hey, can we can we brag for one moment uh, yeah. about our show? We uh, we actually cracked the top fifty on iTunes for top sports podcasts. So very excited about that. Just want to. Thank you as the listener for uh, for tuning in and for making our show, uh, well, making our show a show. We, we appreciate it. And so uh, we always look forward to chatting with you guys on Twitter and uh, and look forward to the future of Overtime Hockey Talk. I think this is this is episode number 54. Wow. So we're uh, we're chugging right along. We'll uh, I, I haven't quite mapped out when episode 100 will be. But I imagine it'll be sometime earlier, early in the season. So Ooh. we'll have to do a an episode 100 bottle service party. Bottle service. <laughs> yes, Justin. Justin, in a former life, was a was a phenomenal bartender. If you didn't know that, ah uh, yes, ah <laughs> uh, yes, in a former life. <laughs> Damn it! Why'd you tell everybody? <laughs> no, we we at our 100th episode party. You will you will not have to be the bartender. Great. Um, unless you're dying to be one, you know. But but you know we'll we'll mm. tell our uh, our girlfriends that they will be the cocktail waitresses for that party. <laughs> so. Oh oh dear, where did this go? Where did we go? Uh, we got to go. That's really the that's really the <laughs> long and the short of it. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, I'll I'll have an episode. I don't know if if you'll be on for that, but we'll uh, we'll be back. Very soon, Monday through Friday, as best as I can, uh, and as best we can, uh, getting together. Sometimes life and work jump in there, but during the playoffs, trying to bring you as much coverage as we can. And uh, yeah, we'll thank you for listening again, and we will talk to you very soon.